You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live Portraits, featuring intimate, in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood stars and influencers. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live Portraits, Dario Kristen. Hey, what's up, everybody? You're watching Black Hollywood Live Portraits. I'm your host, Dario Kristen. Here joining me is DJ Jesse J. What up? And Courtney Stewart. What's up, everybody? And our very special guest today, I am so excited to have him in the house. He is a legendary actor. He's been in some of our most famous films, Love Jones, Minutes to Society. Lorenz Tate is with us today. Wow. I mean, thank you. I'm honored to have you in the studio, brother. Oh, I'm honored to be here. I'm I'm really uh, appreciative to that incredible intro <laughs> gave me the legendary legendary oh, that's man, right no, thank you man I appreciate that I'm so happy to be with you guys listen man you've had a career that's expanded over 30 years in this <laughs> business and when I was looking at your body of work I mean it's just consistent it's like bam 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 I mean yeah. you have just done some amazing things thank you and I heard that or I read that when you were younger and your parents kind of put you and your brothers in acting yeah. that you initially resisted kind yeah. of getting into acting well, yeah, I've been doing it for a while. I started out uh, from Chicago. We moved from uh, Chicago to L.A., and I was still in grammar school. And I just wanted to be, you know, a regular kid out there playing ball, you know, chasing <laughs> girls, doing what, you know, people do. But um, I was in performing arts along with my brothers, Lorana and Lamar, and we got an agent and, you know, kind of got into the business just to kind of keep us busy. But... I enjoy, you know, the school playground, the after school uh, <laughs> programs, all that stuff. But, you know, I'd have to go to auditions and, you know, for commercials and, you know, little small parts. And I uh, I did resist it for a little bit just because I always I just never felt comfortable <laughs> uh, being in front of the camera or being around, you know, the lights and all of that. And in fact, when I did land my first little commercial, my first speaking part which was on the Twilight Zone, um, they did, that was back in 85. And I was a kid, and I had one line. I go to school the next day, everybody had saw, saw me on the show. <laughs> the I denied it was me. <laughs> you denied I it? I denied it. I was like, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I don't know who that is. This is somebody that looked like. Because I just, I, again, I just didn't know how people would would sort of you know perceive me or how they would accept me and um yeah for the longest time i would deny if they would see me in a commercial like a little kid commercial or something maybe i thought i was just grown i was just (laughs) i was just too damn grown no no it was just that i i just felt um i don't know it's just just an uncomfortable thing man and when it comes to that recognition or that sort of celebrity even to this day i you know it's nice but i I like to be regular. I want to go through the shopping market, the supermarket without people, you know, bugging out. You don't you know? want TMZ following you anywhere. And they do. And it's cool because they got a job to do. But, like, it ain't cool either because right. I just want Listen, man, I'm just getting the cereal. <laughs> you know, I like the granola cereal, man. I mean, I'm just easy breezy. So I I, um, I still kind of find that a, a little, uh, little, little uncomfortable. What was it for you that kind of was like the aha moment of, oh, wait, 
actually, I kind of do like doing this or, you know, I, realizing like, wait, this is what I want to stay doing. It was um, when I found myself actually in those moments mm. and the directors would call cut and it was a wrap and it was time to go home. And I always felt like it went too quick. Mm. It was over too fast. And I felt like, wow, it would be great to just keep this going on. And I struggled again. I mean, anytime I had to go back to do, getting me there was tough. You know, I very much as always, like <laughs> an actor. You get, get, tough to get you on the set. No, but it, get, once I got there, I just fell in love with it. Then, you know, I guess around the time that I was about 14, 15, I was doing some TV shows. I was working with the late Red Fox mm -hmm. and Della Reese on a show called um, The Royal Family. Mm -hmm. uh, Naya Rivera, who uh, is on Glee. Yeah. That was her first, first role. role. She was right? like four years old. Yeah. played my little sister. Um, and in that, I just felt like, wow, I, 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 I dig this world. I dig actually being, you know, an actor, a performer in a real way. And I... I guess I just felt that that comfortable feeling um, in those moments, and again, just never wanted it to end. And it always went super fast. And you know, you hear actors that complain, "We don't set too damn long." <laughs> <laughs> again, thirteen hour day. But when I was when I was younger, I was like, "Yo, man, I, I could just be here forever." And I remember going to sets thinking. I can I can sleep in the dressing room. I can sleep in this trailer. I don't have to go home. Mom was like, "Yo, bring your butt home. You coming home?" Yeah. So, I, I it was a turning point at that at that moment for me. Um, and 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 when I got my my opportunity to do more, I was just I just felt really good. And I always had a support with my brothers, Laron and Lamar, and they were always behind me. And I would go back home to Chicago and hang out in the streets and do it young adolescent teenagers would do when we get in you know some trouble and i remember even uh some of the the homies from from the block and some of the my guys from the from the, from the hood like yo man like you legit bro you can't yeah do what we do I'm like why not like, <laughs> you will go to jail <laughs> that's why y'all will go to jail too but it's like nah we can handle this we can do this and um so I, I, I took heed, you know, to, to the cats that were on the streets and also out here in L.A., you know, they was like, look, man, you legit, you're doing well, man. Keep, stay up out of here, man. Do what yeah. you do, man. And I, I had support from everybody, from family, friends, and, um, you know, having that belief in myself. Well, you went on from uh, Twilight Zone and you worked on um, The Women of Brewster's Place. Yeah. And that has some legendary people in there as well. We got <laughs> Oprah, mm -hmm. you know, L Lynette McKee, mm -hmm. Mary Alice, Robin Givens, Paul Winfield. Yeah. What was it like for you as a young man, young actor, working with these legendary people who really had a lot of experience oh, man, in that it was world? Great. I mean, just to see Oprah Winfrey on set, I was like, my mom was really impressed by that, that whole thing. Um, but again, it was one of those things that having the kind of parents that I had was like, okay, this is great, but this is a privilege. Schoolwork is important. So I would go back and forth to school and they were like, listen, if your schoolwork is not up to par and if you're, you're not hitting the books, we're going to take you out of acting altogether. Mm -hmm. And Pops was serious because my Pops has been in the education field for 40 years or better. Uh, and he was in school, you know, he's a school teacher, yeah. man. And he was like, look. You don't play. Nah, <laughs> yo, it's great. Oprah, nice. But your schoolwork <laughs> is not, it's not up to par. You got to, you know, you know, take it up uh, a whole nother level. And so they were, 
made sure that I didn't get beside myself and mm-hmm. always just made sure that I remained humble no matter what. And uh, I remember working with Robin Givens. It was interesting because at that time she was married to Mike Tyson. Mm. So that was a big thing to, to see yeah. Mike Tyson very early on. Um, and I was about 13 at the time. And Mike Tyson was there. And, you know, <laughs> this is when he really first came onto the scene. They had just gotten married and things couldn't have been better for them at that time. And seeing, meeting Mike, Mike Tyson, I'm like, wow, that was like a big to do and seeing all those uh those superstars that my mother had already always regarded and my father and it was it was it was a beautiful thing and everybody was super warm and, and nice um that was one of the movies that I kind of denied too because my character wait we, we oh, hold, we, hold, hold for two right oh now. yeah yeah I was denying I was denying, I was denying. I was denying. because my character was eating out of the trash can <laughs> one of the kids you know um Phyllis Stickney's uh, who played my mom and I've worked with her several times um, I was her oldest son running out off and you know he's eating out of the garbage can and so people were making fun at school hey man I saw you on the show and you was I said that wasn't me <laughs> I don't know so um, eventually you know I, I got over those things I don't deny things anymore <laughs> well. I love that. That's a good story. Yeah. That's a good story. And then you started to get a lot of burn after you were old dog in one of my favorite movies, Menace to Society. Yeah. Um, what was your inspiration for playing that character? Because as you were young and growing up and as you were just kind of saying that, you know, your parents were strict, but this character was so specific. How did you get the inspiration to play him? Well, I wouldn't say that my, my uh, just to be clear, I wouldn't say that my parents are strict. They were just uh, supportive. Supportive. Mm-hmm. And they were just being the kind of parents that I needed in my life, my yeah. brother's needs. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know. Uh, I'm happy (laughs) that they were uh, the kind of parents that they were and are. And, I mean, that inspiration really, you know, came from people that I had known, people that I had seen before, people I had been around, both in Chicago and Los Angeles. And what I wanted to do, and I was so happy that the Hughes brothers allowed me to sort of have my, you know, my way in this character is that one thing that they picked up on was like a a person that you would least expect to be is is ferocious mm-hmm. or have the kind of mentality um without being typical or mm-hmm. stereotype you don't think that old dog is the person to do the things that he was doing because the face that he had and the sort of look and this sort of adolescent um, quality that he possessed, like you know, he's the dude that you'd invite into your house. True, yeah. and then he he'd rob you and stick you up for everything you got. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? That's what he was. Yeah. But I kind of knew people like that. Mm. I kind of was around guys that, yeah, they put their arm around you and it's fine. But when it was time to turn up, Think they set it do. off yeah. and have no problem with it. And and after it's over, they go right back to just being yeah. normal. Yeah. And that's not normal. Yeah. And that that would that would trip me out. And I've seen those young guys in Chicago and in L.A. And I was like, wow. So when this came up, the the ideal person that they were looking for for old dog was a stereotypical, you know, big guy, muscles, maybe been in you know juvenile hall, maybe you know lifting weights, the whole thing. 
And they decided to go with me because it was so unassuming. And I just wanted the presence to be strong and big because when I did go in there for the audition, I saw all those yeah. very intimidating looking guys, spot on, perfect, old dog. And I was like, what am I going to do that's going to be different? And I was like, yo, man, I got to go. I got to go snatch their souls. You know what I mean? Period. <laughs> That's I'm gonna go snatch their souls up. Period. I, like I don't really care how, how I look, you know. And so, um, the Hughes brothers dialed in on that, mm -hmm. and they and I'm I'm happy that they did because I wasn't the person they were looking for. You know, I came in, and they always say this. I came in as this Disney kid. <laughs> this Disney kid we just talked about yeah. all the work that I had done. Right. I had another, never never done a film, and they probably seen me done a few little things. And when I walked in, I already knew the odds were against me. So I was able to take little nuances of things that I was seeing in Chicago and also what I had seen and, and known in Los Angeles and in L.A. And I was like, I'm going to just put that spin on it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I, I know those guys that was, you know, in the trap. I knew the guys that was on the street living that life. And uh, they, they were pretty, you know. They, you know, very convincing. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> they're very convincing. <laughs> yeah, good resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very convincing. <laughs> and then from there, you moved on to do some great things like Dead Presidents. You right. worked in Inkwell. Uh, you worked with Jada Pinkett Smith twice, actually, right. with Menace and in Inkwell. Yeah. What was your favorite thing about working with her and collaborating with hers? Oh, man. Jada is just super, super smart, man. She's, um, you know, always seen the bigger picture of what we're doing outside of just being in the role and what does this mean to the audiences? How the, will this affect our community? And if you look at her body of work, she's always been sort of that kind of person. She takes chances, but she's also very careful about, you know, the kinds of things um, that she's very conscious. Let's just she put is. it that way. Super yeah. conscious person. Um, and again, just all around, just smart, super intelligent uh, and talented, man. And uh, we had a, a great time. Uh, she's like big sis, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I, I got nothing but love for what, where she is as, as, as a strong woman, as a mom, as a wife, you name it. And it was just a great experience to work with her um, on Menace, then going to Inkwell. And I, re I remember uh, when we were doing the Inkwell, they wasn't sure if I was going to be the guy. Right, because they saw O Dog. Most people thought I did Minister Society second, uh, but Inkwell was the second film I had done, and I wanted to break that stereotype. So it was a great opportunity. And I remember Jada calling me and saying, um, "Hey, listen, you're going to go into for this audition tomorrow, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I got the audition. I'm going to meet with Maddie Rich and the directors and everybody." And she was like, "Look, they want me to read with you." So let's get together. Let's rehearse it. And I was like, Jay, I got it. All we have to do is just whatever you do, I'm a rock with you. But let's just make it, you know, in the moment. And it's cool. At the time, like we eight, like eight, I'm 18 yeah. years old at the time. You know, very young. We're getting these big parts. Jada is a couple years, a few years older than me at that time. And so, but she was saying, listen, I really want you to get this part. And, you know, we just need to do that, that have that time to be familiar. And I was like, yo, let's just, I, my character doesn't know you. Let's just keep it 
you know, organic. And she trusted that. And then we went in there and we, we laid it out and hmm. they hired me. And I'm happy that they did because it, at the time that the movie came out, it didn't do well for the box number standards. Mm-hmm. You know, a movie that didn't have us, you know, shooting and doing all the stuff. I just did Menace. So those, yeah. that movie, and those kind of, New Jack City and Juice, those movies did well. Yeah. They didn't know how to really do something with the ink well about a coming of age story for a young a young guy on Martha's Vineyard. And, but I was happy to show my range mm-hmm. um, at an early age. And again, people thought that Inkwell was first, it was second. And I think Inkwell was such an important film so as well. Right. You know, it just, because it was so different in what the stereotypical black films had sort of been at that time, I just thought it was just a, just a dynamic film to show that caliber of people as well. Yeah, those were people who were in the, you know, late 70s, um, early 80s that were not dealing with some of the social issues that mm-hmm. a lot of folk think that all black folks are think were dealing right. with at the time. Exactly. You know, they actually went to vacation w- with family and friends. You know, black folks moved out of the city yeah. or decided to go out and do other kinds of things and that was a representation um, coming of age story yeah. falling in love for the first time don't happen just to one demographic it happens to us all yeah. and so that was a great representation of, of that and now those movies have become you know classics in people's homes and absolutely, I'm, I'm happy I'm happy that as long as it can stay with people and they get it now it's beautiful yeah. well being so young at the time as you mentioned with Inkwell and then having done O-Dog what were you doing yourself as the actor sort of to tap into those areas? Were you studying with somebody specific that worked with you, that helped you get there? Had you just been studying as a kid and it was kind of there for you and you were able to access that? Like, how were you able to straddle both those worlds and show that range being so young? Well, fortunately, when we started out, we started here in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles at Inner City Cultural Center. We had some really great instructors and people to, to help us. But I got a really credit a lot to my brothers Laron and Lamar. Um, Laron, who's now my producing partner, was, was was an actor and doing a lot of stuff and he, you know, gave me a lot of the tools that he had learned from our, our you know, t- so the event, advanced studies mm-hmm. as well as Lamar. And they were just giving me a lot of, you know, gems and a lot of great nuggets that I was able to utilize. And they were always saying, Trust me, hmm. nobody your age is doing this. No. Go in there and do it this way. I flip it this way. I flip it that way. They said, "Nah, nah, that ain't it." Boom. And even on the movie sets, directors would have to understand my relationship with my brothers. My brothers still on. They come on set all the time with me to this day, and we have learned how to sort of fall back a little bit so that my relationship with directors are strong and it is but even at that time it was always strong but I always had the presence of my brothers Mm -hmm. because if anybody I know I can trust directors are great my brothers they're not gonna lie to me that ain't it yeah go and do it again see if you can get another one that ain't it and I've always had that until I got to a, a rhythm where I knew you know try some things um take some chances and then I got to a point where it's just like, yo, just let me kind of mm-hmm. do my do thing. thing. Yeah, and, and but they were always there, very supportive, not judgmental, but just for the support. And that's important. Yeah, my brother's, it's so funny. I uh, was flying in from, from Canada, 
and I sent them my schedule. And my brother was, Lamar was like, yo, do you need us to roll with you to, to these interviews, man? You cool? Because I got some stuff to do. I'm over here, I'm over here writing and I'm doing something, but I can take a, a moment. I was like, nah, I need you to write that so we can go ahead and put that production. <laughs> Finish that up. LeBron was like, you cool? You should, I said, Finish that up. Deal with it. Deal with what we're doing. <laughs> and then um, once we're done, I'll connect. I said I can handle these interviews. And to this day, um, I'm there for, for them in the same way. You know, Lamar is an actor, and I would show up on set. They're like, are you in the movie? I'm like, nah. I'm just that's letting them know it. if it's right or if it's not. That's it. I'm just here. That's how we do it. It's like your own that's personal dope. teacher. You know? Yeah, we. That's that's where I, I we're getting a lot of the inspiration, but also studying a lot of folk. I mean, I I would sit up and watch. Sydney Portier films. I would watch uh, movies with all the old school actors and just sit up and watch old movies all the time and just study them. Pacino, De Niro, of course. Um, and I, I just, I just, you know, James Dean. I would go back and say, what are they? What were they doing? Why is everybody talking about James Dean? Okay, let me go on. And see what they're doing and I would just watch these movies and they're pretty impressive they're actually really good <laughs> if you think about it um, and just study folk and just, and just people watch as well and try to find people that are like this you know um, when I did Frankie Lyman okay I, I've never done drugs I've never done heroin but I gotta go and talk to people that I know yeah. that has probably been strung out for a long time connect with them have I seen that what is that like when they're in that stupor when they're in that that thing and when they come out of it what is that like how does it feel and how can I interpret that without actually going to do it and so um, I think studying and people watching and doing research is, is so important their presidents we talked about uh, there were people who came home from the war putting their lives on the line mm. they get back to the states and because of the color of their skin or the neighborhood that they're from they're not included mm -hmm. well I talked to people had family uncles who had been to Vietnam mm. what does it feel like what, it, what was the, the the social climate when you came home as a black man putting your life on the line but you come back home you can't get a job. You're 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 shunned outside of just fighting the war, but because you're still not, you know, included. Right. And early enough in, in you know, just years to a year before, you couldn't even drink at the same water fountain. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but you go put your life on a line yeah. for the same country. Yeah. Dying. Yeah. Right? So what does that feel like when you come home? And we had a t we you you want to talk to people and see what that and 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 you you do that research and you can find those people. They'll share. They'll open up. Yeah. And whatever that feeling that you get from them, you want to be able to try to interpret your best. And obviously, have creative license to do what you're doing. But that's just been my process. Other people have trainers and people who just do you know they have all kinds of different ways that they do their thing but my m i don't have a specific method yeah if you will yeah you know i just like to try try to stay as true to it as i possibly can 
Well, we definitely saw that in uh, a film that changed to me the way black relationships were viewed, which is Love Jones. Darius Love Hall. Um, I think that uh, that is one of the most important films of our generation. Yes. Um, How did you even get involved in that? Did you know at the time when you shot that film the importance of that film when you first did it? (laughs) No, I didn't think it would would have that sort of impact. Um, I knew that Neil Long was a part of the project. and I wanted to work with her. I knew it was going to be filmed in Chicago, and there was a young film writer, student from Chicago, Theodore Witcher. And uh, I had been doing some work where people have been really taking some, you know, notice and Hollywood execs, and you know, they thought that she and I would work well together. And, and I read the script, and I said, okay, this is different. I like it. I like the vibe of this. You know what I'm saying? I, I like something about Chicago and something that I had not done. And it was the moment that I felt like I can be an adult, if you will, a moment where I can shed all of the the childhood actor or the adolescent guy who's showing out in the streets and doing all that stuff. And I can be actually like a leading man. You know, and I said, okay, I, 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 you know, I want to step up to that challenge. Now, I'm not a poet by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm a, I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll, I'll get to that. But it was really about that connection. And what was so special, as you guys point out, the movie was, you know, a, a story, right, that happened to have black folk. And it represented us in a light that says, you know, we, we have feelings just like everybody else. Yeah. We're not dealing with some of the other stereotypical things that you normally would associate with black folk on screen. There was love. There was laughter. There was drama. And the the key thing, the only thing that was, was hurt was someone's heart. Mm. No gunshots. Nobody, you know, getting cussed out. At dinner, getting stabbed. Right. Right that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody, nobody, grandmama coming out, right. cussing, cussing everybody out to be damned. We ain't doing that. Why? Because we also are sophisticated folk. Yeah. We're sophisticated people. Yeah. And beyond the sophistication, there's a normality that people need to know. We're normal, just like everybody else. You can really, you really can put us in any story. Yeah. They don't do it enough. They don't. Hollywood doesn't do it enough, but and you know the the separation of black Hollywood and mainstream Hollywood or Latino Hollywood and all this, you know, we have to break those barriers down and be reminded. And I'm so happy that they took a chance on Love Jones, but again, didn't know how to promote it. And we keep hearing that there's a part two scheduled, and you and me are talking about it. What's the truth behind that? The truth behind it is we'd love to do it. Um, but the script would have to be right. It's really difficult to catch lightning in a bottle twice because the movie, when it came out, as I just mentioned, they did no one knew how to promote that movie. Mm-hmm. How do you promote it to an audience that you are not connected with, right? So um, years later, the movie began to really generate an audience because people outside of the black community if you will began to watch the movie and in the comfort of their own homes and start seeing that this movie was great and then it just became a cultural thing because there was a movement there's poetry 
lounges and houses mm-hmm. all over the country where people who want to go to a place where they can sit and actually talk at a mm-hmm. at a social gathering have some you know some artistic stuff going on or just some cool vibe you know that became a real movement and it swelled up to where it is today and it's a, it's been a classic so to try to put that back in a in a bottle and have the same effect um could be tough but i think it would do well i think people would love to see where those two characters are today i'm, I'm be- raising my hand yeah already. yeah because right, right, and it's, it's sort of that to be continued and if we can find that it would be great because the real another reason why i think audience wants to see it and why Nia and I would love to to do something is because the chemistry just felt so right. It was in pocket. It was magnetic. It f- felt real. And you know, uh, <laughs> I I have, <laughs> I posted a, a picture of some sort. Of, I was I'm on the t- my TV show of Rush, and I I, I tweeted something and Instagrammed, and uh, I got a, a comment from Nia. <laughs> You're still my delicious love Jones. And I'm like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still in. I'm still in with Nia Long. Now that's my girl, man. That's that's family right there. I love Nia. And um I mean we I, I truly appreciate the audiences who embraced that movie and understood because at the time we didn't know. And I remember the director was like, Listen, man, this is gonna be something different. We're doing something unique, you know, and you know, these these people are intellectual it's a different it's a different vibe and so i'm happy that we we did the movie and if we never get to another one i think we still can keep that in a capsule forever and people will enjoy it but it would be nice to find a way to uh see what happened to darius and nina yeah i think we all would like to see that story <laughs> yeah. now you have a new series we have to cut a, unfortunately the interview a little bit shorter today okay. but you have a new series coming out that's premiering tonight called rush yes rush rush it's and you're it. playing dr alex yeah i play dr alex burke um it's a summer series to watch i really am happy that uh, i'm able to play a doctor um this particular show is unlike the other medical dramas this one is about a private doctor who's a medical fixer to all of the elite in los angeles so you know for the hollywood execs or the movers and shakers and and hollywood actors even athletes this is the go-to guy because rush who's played by tom ellis can fix whatever he he's got you whatever you need uh he's a bit of a of a of a party animal you know what i'm saying he's a great doctor but he parties like a rock star right I am the right hand man. I'm the guy that is in uh his life in a way that's been more most consistent. He can't keep anything together. So I've been his his guy since since um uh Harvard or whatever. I'm a hot shot doctor at one of the top ERs in Los Angeles. Wife, kid, very settled, has everything sort of, you know, tied down to a to a, to a knot, but He's always calling me to get into his sort of business and his shenanigans of the things that's sort of going on to get him out of out of a fix. Because who can he really count on outside of his best friend? But that poses a problem because, you know, the things that he's asking me to do goes against hospital protocol. And, you know, it puts my my livelihood and my career in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. But it's again, that moral struggle do I roll with my best friend? All the kind of things that he's dealing with with these Hollywood elite and the 
crazy things that they're going into <laughs> and go into this rabbit hole or do I stick to protocol? But it wouldn't be a TV series if I didn't right. get my hands involved. So it's, it's like one of those things, um, you know, we're not stuck inside of a box. We get a chance to see these doctors be on just what they do as physicians. It's their lives and how the relationships um, sort of clash and how they affect one another, how they celebrate each other and how Jeopardy is on the line. And it's pretty cool. And for USA Network to do something that's cutting edge, it's sleek, it's stylish, it has, you know, some real texture to it where people are like, yo, does that really go on? And it does because there are medical fixers. Yeah. So if y'all need some medical fixers, <laughs> right. y'all want your business out there, right, right. there's some people you can call, slide them some bread underneath right. the table, and they got you. And so that's that's who um, Tom Ellis plays and who I play, Dr. Alex Burke. So we're we're doing some cool stuff on the show. So beside those two characters, if you could switch characters with someone else on the show... Who would you do? Oh, man. On the show? Well, we've got some pretty interesting characters. <laughs> uh, I I got to say it would probably be Rush, but I don't have to wish that because, you know, there might be some moments where uh, mm. Dr. Alex has to take some calls. Uh, okay. Yeah, Rush can't do all of them if he's getting called left and right. True. So it's like, look, I need you to do this. And again, that moral question, like, do I do, I do this or... Okay, and it's not even for the money, even though the money is good. It's all cash, but I think the thrill. Yeah. Once exciting. Alex gets a taste of that thrill of what that life is and dealing and seeing what you hear about but you never see, sort of representation of the audience. Yeah, so he gets to he gets to <laughs> dive into what really goes on, man. Well, we'll be definitely checking out <laughs> Rush, sure. and now there also is a, a rumor that you will be joining the Scandal cast as well. Now, can you uh, give us a little tell bit. us a little bit more yeah, about yeah. it? I know that you are a hardworking man. I'm a hardworking man, so um, you know, I think that the the whole Scandal notion uh, started up from a lot of Scandal fans who watch the show, people uh, wanting me to possibly be, be a part of the gladiator movement yes and um there's nothing been official you know it's all it's just it's just talk i think there's just sort of wishful thinking and um you know we are i'm really happy what's going on on rush i mean my character dr alex has some really cool stuff man and i'm happy doing what we're doing right now and um you know all the best to shonda and all all those folk over there doing and carrie and what they're doing on the on the show, but there's nothing official. And again, uh, I'm just happy doing what, what what I'm doing over here at Rush. All right. Mm-hmm. And the pilot for Rush is everything. I, I Thank actually you. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah. It's dope. It's a good one, man. Well, where can hey, fans we... find you to find out more about Rush and more about the projects you're working on? People can check me on social media, man. I'm full on at Lorenz Tate. That's L-A-R-E-N-Z-T-A-T-E. And uh, I just like you know you know the communication with people, man, and it's it's great. So check me out on on the social media, man. And congratulations on you all show, man. You guys got some good stuff. I've been watching oh, y'all, and thank you. Y'all oh, thank got you. some good stuff, man. Thank I you. And one that. last question. Sure. Uh, one word to describe your yourself. What would it be? Hmm. Humble. Definitely agree. I like that. (laughs) Well, we'll definitely be checking out Rush. Everyone else should be checking out Rush as well. It premieres tonight on the USA USA Network. Um, Courtney, where can your fans find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stuart Starlet. At DJ Jesse J. 
And you find me at Dario Christian on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you again, Lorenz. We got to have you back so we can have more time with you. Absolutely. Okay. I'd love to. We're going to talk about more of these projects. Let's do that. Let's do that. So you tune in to Black Hollywood Live Portraits. Check out Lorenz Tate. And we'll see you soon. Bow, 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 bow. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Christian, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host owner and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.